New Zealand is slowly starting to reconnect with the world. So now is the perfect time for tourism operators to dust off your databases, update your rates sheets, and also start reconnecting with the tourism trade. I am opening up a few spaces in my market representation program to help you do just that. If you're light on resource, but heavy on big plans, then maybe I can help. Check out DestinateNZ.com for more details and get in touch today. Kia ora and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And I'm Kerry. And today we're building long-lasting relationships. (laughs) Now, listeners, that does sound like a little bit of a dating program, but I can assure you that we are sticking to tourism this week, and we welcome a very special guest today, Kerry LaHood. Kia ora to you, Kerry, and welcome. Kia ora. Thank you. And, of course, kia ora, Chambers. Kia ora, Michelle. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. So it's great to have you join us today, Kerry. We are looking at doing an Ask Destinate episode which we've only done this is our second one that we've done and we thought it would be great to get you on board because the question that we've had today is all about working with trade and obviously you've got a a pretty long history of working with trade so before we kick off do you just want to introduce yourself to our listeners who may not know you and give us a bit of a background of your career in tourism Thanks, Michelle. Well, yes, I've uh, certainly been in the industry for a very long time. In fact, close to 40 years. Wow. Uh, Starting actually with the airlines many, many years ago and uh, working through a number of areas within the the tourism and travel industries across New Zealand and and overseas. So worked in wholesale, tourism marketing, car rental, hotels, and landed where I am now at Southern Discoveries and um, absolutely loving it. So, yeah, working right across the whole tourism spectrum, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I was chatting with somebody the other day who is new to tourism and was asking me about working with trade and what was involved with working with trade because they're starting to look at how they can grow their business once the borders start to reopen. And so I thought, well, why not do an Ask Destinate episode? Because this isn't something, not every business works with trade and tourism, right? So a lot of people just have a website and they get enough business coming through the direct channels that they haven't had to work with trade so what do you think the benefits of working with trade are good question well i think it's it's really important that you've you've got to work with partners that align with your values um, and get a really good and sound understanding of their needs and you got to remember that it's a two-way partnership and you just got to focus on mutual success and it's really important also not to over promise and under deliver but it you know, under promise and over deliver. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And I guess I've always enjoyed working with trade from the perspective that they're making bookings usually such a long way out. So it gives you a really good picture of what's coming up in your business and you're securing that business for yourself before those travellers actually get to New Zealand Mm -hmm. and they could be diverted off the path and not come to you. If they hadn't booked with their travel agent offshore before they left home, they can potentially be seduced by somebody else when they get here. So it's nice to have those bookings on your books, isn't it, ahead of time Mm -hmm. so you can start to plan for that. 
What about you, Chambers? What do you think the top benefits of working with Trader? Well, first of all, you're dealing with one contact for a lot of customers. So Hmm. that's probably my biggest benefit because actually you're only working, normally you have one person that you work within that um, particular company, that ITO that you're liaising with and they're either bringing a tour group to you or they've got multiple bookings throughout the season and you're liaising with them, whether it be around rates, whether it be around scheduling, whether it be around alternative options. So for me personally, you might have, Kerry, you'll probably agree to this, you might have um, a top 10 of trade people that you work with or trade businesses you work with. And so actually it's a lot easier to work just talking to 10 people than trying to go for thousands of FITs that you've then got to communicate with or have resource communicating with them. So yeah, that would be my biggest benefit for it. Yes, I'd agree, Chambers. And certainly, I think a really good starting point is to to identify the, the the key inbound tour operators or key trade partners and establish the key markets that they work in, their mix of business, whether it be FIT group, CNI, uh, and also get a really good understanding of their business models. I think a, a lot of people tend to overlook that, mm. such as their their processes, their booking processes, their systems, their marketing activities, and and you're right. I mean, working with one point of contact is, is a real advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. And Kerry, it's interesting what you say there is because I had that on my list as one of my top tips too for researching the market and understanding ITOs or your wholesale market because you won't want to work with everybody and not everybody will want to work with you. And there's some markets, for instance, if you don't have language ability inside your business, it mm-hmm. will be really hard to work with those markets and and actually fulfill their bookings. So that's something that you might say, okay, well, that's my year two or year three plan that will look to engage a specialist or a, a salesperson for that market. But for now, let's start with what we know we can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And some of those markets may not even particularly like your product. It's not anything against mm. your product as such. It's just you know, they're not into adventure tourism or they're into soft adventure or they want to do gentle hikes, not great hikes. And so yeah, understanding the market is really important. And yeah. if they're grouped to wholesalers, they might not even come to your region. So pull out their brochures, have a look at their website, have a look at their itineraries and go in with, I guess, open eyes to say, well, is there an opportunity here for me? And yes, this not to say that you can't, present a proposal to an operator and say hey look we we'd love to see you change your itinerary but that takes a very long time to do that you're not going to get an instant win through that Mm. channel at all yeah it's very important to do the research beforehand because it's really important as you say to establish which markets they're working in and which markets you want to to target as well Mm. yeah For me, if I was a newbie coming into this, and I have been a newbie coming into this, probably only, it was only probably about 2015, no, 2013, I really, truly started working with trade and understanding it. And so I found asking them questions about who they are when I first want to meet them is really important and not being afraid to do so. I wish I'd asked more questions actually when I first started about who they are and who they work with and how it all works because I fumbled my way through probably in that first year realizing that some didn't work for me. Anyway, 
Can I just say something on that, though? Because I've been an inbound operator as well and been on the other side of that. And if you're going to trends, for example, so our biggest trade Uh business-to-business event, the most annoying thing was operators who'd sit there and say, tell me about your business, when you'd actually gone to the trouble of writing a biography, putting it in the trends workbook. And Uh you had it there. This I have 80% FIT, 20% group. I work in these markets and this is how my business operates. This is the business model. This is where we go. This is what I'm interested in. And so I would urge you for those events to actually do the research because a lot of people go, oh, I just want to work. I When they're doing the search through the trends program, they'll go, I just want to see all of the agents from the UK because the UK market's really big or all the agents from Australia. And then they arrive in front of you. The last thing you want to do is Tell me about you. You should know that before you Mm -hmm. get to see them. You've got that well ahead of time and use that 15 minutes to actually present your business and almost have a plan for what you're going to do. And, hey, I want to see these guys because I see that they're currently visiting my competitors on this tour itinerary and I want to convince them to come to me. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, as people, we, you know, everybody likes talking about themselves and particularly about their businesses as well. And, and that's a really good point, Michelle. You need to really um, delve into their, their business and, and get a really good understanding, almost put yourself in their shoes and work within their business because effectively you're an extension of their business, really. Absolutely. Mm. And they're yep. yours. Yeah. And yours. Yeah. Yeah. I think you uh, need to develop and enhance the partnerships because you've got to build that credibility. You've got to build the trust, the loyalty, and mm. ultimately long term support. And obviously, it can be done in, in various ways and through attending, you know, trade activities or events and through entertaining, hosting, incentives, and training and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and understand that it doesn't always happen straight away. And that building trust thing, and I'll tell you a funny story and I'll try not to identify the the wholesaler involved. But uh, when I was at Naitahu, I literally, one of my first sales calls that I did was on this particular wholesaler and I was absolutely hell-bent on securing their business. (laughs) And it took nine years. I went every year. I went and visited them every year. I'd do an update and they really appreciated me coming to visit them. And I think they actually listen into the show. (laughs) (laughs) But literally as I was leaving Naitahu, they rang me and said, we've got you. We're going to include your product. I was like, no, I'm leaving. (laughs) But it seriously took nine years um, for that to come about because they had long-standing relationships. And this is what happens is that trust builds up and it's really challenging. And I know even when I was the inbound operator, when we were negotiating our hotels each year for the resort connections program that we put together, we had in each region, we had a standard, a quality and a superior hotel. And we did need to make changes, not regularly, but every now and then you had to make changes for various reasons. And sometimes it was simply because a hotel had done a refurb and it had pushed it up into another level. Sometimes the service had dropped off. We were getting feedback that wasn't that great. And sometimes it really did come down to price. So yeah, those relationships are really well established and it's hard to break. If you're new on the scene, it is hard to break into them. And it is about almost being a little bit patient, biding your time, knowing where you want to go, 
building that trust, building the relationships. Don't give up on the first go because if they mm. never see you again, you're never going to get that business. But keep touching base, keep them on your database, keep them informed with what you're doing and, and go and see them when you're in town and give them an update on what you're doing. I think you're absolutely right, Michelle, it is the trust and there's loyalty as well there. As, and that's something you want to respect because ultimately when you have got that relationship with that trade operator, then that loyalty means a lot to you and your business, knowing that you're going to have that business returning every year, sorry. But the reality is they may come up with a new product, which, or they may come up with a new itinerary or that actually that's your opportunity then when you're knocking on their door and have, like you said, don't give up on the first knock, go again every time. And then when that door opens, you'll be there ready and waiting and they will know what, what you've got to offer. And they, they're thinking, oh, actually, this would be way better suited for this new itinerary that we've come up with or this new market that we're going out to. Yeah, or they know you're committed and you'll keep coming back and you're supporting them by doing that. And that actually means a lot. And I've got examples of that happening through my career as well, where they hadn't been looked after prior to me going to visit them for whatever reason it might not mm-hmm. have been a priority for the business but you know when they see you two or three times they're like actually she's now starting to do what she said she was going to do and let's start teasing out what this relationship might look like and partnership might look like mm-hmm. yeah you did right michelle i mean you know it's really important i've always I've been a great believer in this to, to maintain the regular and consistent communication and, mm-hmm. and contact and yeah as you said earlier it might take um quite some time to do that but eventually you'll win their support and trust and loyalty and and all the rest of it and yeah I just think it's so important absolutely Mm, yeah and maybe that operator can't work with you for whatever reason but they work closely together with other operators Mm -hmm. they know other people's business they might actually suggest that you go to their competitor because they have something that you're better suited for them or the markets that they work with or they might move to another wholesaler and remember you and give you a call where exactly. there is an opportunity because there is a lot of movement around the industry as well. And, yeah. and on this side, on the supplier side as well. So, yeah, mm. those relationships are, are key. And I think it's also important, Michelle, the tourism distribution system and the trade partners are very a critical component, if you like, of that distribution system. And, uh, you know, long, long standing relationships with the offshore wholesalers and agents offshore. And mm. so I think it's in your best interest to, to keep really close to, to the trade. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I love working with trade. I'm a massive trade advocate, have Mm -hmm. been for 25 years. But what do you say to people? Because this operator that I was talking to the other day that's come about with this Ask Destinate episode, we started talking about what's required to work with trade. And as soon as you start saying to operators, you're looking at a 20 to 30% commission rate, they back off and go, oh, that's really expensive. And why am I paying that? So what do you say to operators, Kerry, that have spoken to you in the past about that? I, well, I sort of make sure that they're they're comfortable with any contractual proposals or arrangements that that you're negotiating with them and give them that certainty and that, that surety, if you like, that, you know, you're going to provide quality product service so that they see the benefits of, of, of those commission levels. Yeah. Mm. And I, my thought on that is, and this is what I say to anybody who gasps at that is first and foremost, you know, ahead of time that that's what they're looking for. So when you create your prices, make sure you factor that in as and where possible, obviously remaining competitive with your, your competitor. And the second thing is 
you only ever pay for what walks through your door and does your activity mm. or stays with you. So you're not doing ahead advertising and putting your putting an advert in a magazine that you don't even know if anybody's even seen it or is going to make a call to action from that advert. You are paying for somebody who's walked through your door that the hard work was pre-done. And like you said earlier, Michelle, it's pre-booked in. So you know ahead of your season, you've got this base level of bookings in there. Yes, you're paying a 30% up to 30% commission rate on it, but you've got them there and then you can fill the rest of your scheduling around your FITs or your direct bookings or your OTAs or whatever it might be next. Yeah, I used to say to operators, when I was at THL um, doing the inbound, we printed back in the days when you'd print lots of brochures, we printed nearly a million brochures a year right throughout UK, Europe and North America. And I used to say to the agents or to the suppliers, sorry, who bought at a paying a commission any more than five or 10%, try and put that coverage into those markets through the Sunday Star Times or the equivalent Uh of their major newspapers. And you couldn't do it for less than 10,000 pounds. So you're right, Chambers, in that you are only paying for what's delivered to you, but that money goes into all of that marketing to present you to all of these operators. And the other part of that is that if you are fortunate enough to get into a brochure that sits on a flight center travel agent desk in the UK, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to book with them because think about Anne's Crow's book, you know, the New Zealand book, and you guys are both really familiar with that. The number Mm -hmm. of people who used to walk in to my office when I was selling camper vans and go, this is the price that it is in the New Zealand book. And I'm going, (laughs) well, you should have booked through the New Zealand book (laughs) because that's actually a special deal that Anne's Crow got. But it was really interesting to that, that, but, they're finding out about it, right? So it's just another piece of marketing where you can have your product in front of people when they're building, coming through the funnel in terms of the awareness and consideration before they actually commit to booking with you. And yes, they might book with trade. And yes, you might have to pay 20, 20, 30% commission, but hey, that's actually for the work that's gone on to get that business and these inbound operators are going into market they're breaking into new markets they're finding these wholesalers who want to sell New Zealand and travel agents who are actively promoting New Zealand that's it's actually not a lot of money that's a good example Michelle absolutely yeah Mm. and it's getting across that whole distribution network which is a huge distribution network right like it's not just you're talking to yes you're talking to that one person and communicating with them but there's a whole raft of people and businesses behind that one person that that 30 percent gets or 20 percent gets shared amongst and gets delivered out to just for that one booking so mm. that's how it that's why those commission rates are so high and and rightly so yeah yeah i agree absolutely yeah. So we've talked about commissions. What other things do suppliers need to have ready to go when they walk in to see a trade partner? Well, I think they need to to make sure that that that, that they're totally uh, familiar, I guess, with their product mm. mix and their the services that they, they offer or provide. They've got a really good understanding and can pretty much cover any questions that may arise or any any issues that might come up really really important to be well versed in your product and or mm. service absolutely mm. 
And it's also things like your cancellation policies and your reservation system, isn't it? And can your reservation system connect with theirs? If you know, so there are a lot more operators, tour operators now who are saying, can we have an API connection into your system, particularly if you're a larger operator and they're selling a lot of you? In the olden days, it used to be, oh, here's a login to our booking system. But when you're dealing with, I think when I was inbound. We had something like 15,000 suppliers on our books. So there's no way you could have 15,000 logins to a booking system. (laughs) It's just not practical. So, yeah, it's things like that. Do you even have a reservations team? or Who's going to answer the request at the other end? Are you ready for that? Because if you're dealing with trade, you're going to get requests that come through all hours of the day and night because, obviously, it's worldwide. Can you handle that? Mm. Very good question. And something that really needs to be considered before you go and try and build a relationship with trade, because reality is, and that was one of my tips was make sure you get back to them. Even (laughs) if you can't actually do the job itself, reply that it's not something you can offer. But exactly, Michelle, if you've got a reservations team that can't cope with those inquiries or how they look or booking that far out or whatever, then you should really think about um, whether you can even be working with trade. And that's okay. It's okay yeah. not, not to be ready, but before you go and see them, you need to be ready and you need, you need to, to be, yeah, you need to be prepared. And at least Lisa, you make a good point. Ensure the follow-up is undertaken every time. And, and this comes up quite, quite often. You hear it from inbound tour operators and wholesalers, you know, oh, they didn't follow up. Well, you're not going to get the business if you don't follow up. And it's so, so important. So even if it's addressing or rectifying an issue or providing information, assisting with clarity or just acknowledging their time, just simple things. Yeah, thanks for thanks for seeing me and making yeah, time absolutely. to hear my update. And I'm sorry we can't do business at the moment, but can I keep in touch with you to tell you about the new things that we're doing? And yeah, there might be something in the future that we can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are opportunities coming up all the time and businesses diversify and, and people move on and change change companies and, and all that sort of thing. So there's yeah, there's opportunities always yeah. around the next corner. Yeah. And sometimes if you've got a unique enough product, they might look for an opportunity for you because they're like, wow, this is really cool. And, and there is something, there are some operators out there who are always keen to be the first. Like we want to be the first to break into that region or we want to be the first to offer this experience to our guests. And so, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. But just back to the reservations team, I think the other part of it is make sure that while you're visiting the trade, you're also updating your reservations team on who you've seen, who they are, what, and make sure that your system's set up with their right commission levels and terms and conditions that you've agreed on because there's nothing more embarrassing than you going out there doing all of this amazing work and then they go and make a booking and it falls over because somebody either says, who are you? And no, we don't do agent bookings or whatever (laughs) they might say. But yeah, it's just making sure that whoever is going to be a touch point for those partners that you're working with, that they understand who they are and what they do as well. And you know what, that goes even deeper than just your reservation. Like, and for somebody who did fumble their way through it to begin with, it goes to your account system as well. You know, do your accounts team understand what they're going to be invoicing for and at what rates? Like, that's really important because that becomes a huge frustration 
for an inbound operator when they're receiving an invoice that's incorrect, it's got the wrong rate on it or wrong net rate. They have to send it back. It then has to be communicated with the accounts team who have to communicate with you that has to then go fixed and bloody blood and the list goes on. So it's really, really important that you actually exactly what you said, Michelle, those touch points are mm. covered off when you set that inbound operator up. And they, everybody understands what rates everybody's on. Mm. Yeah, because that's the impression they get as an operator when they want to work with you and, and, and as a business. I mean, they want to make sure that, that there's no issues or hiccups along the way and that everything runs smoothly. And it's a seamless process. And that's really, really important. Yeah. Mm. And when their guests turn up, your team actually know that who they are and their booking is there for them. And they know that they don't have to collect payments if you've <laughs> exactly. done it on a credit basis. and. <laughs> Yeah, that's really true. And also on that one, what we were finding, and I'm, I know a particular operator that did this, this would be back three years ago when, you know, we were going through the growth stage and we had new markets coming in. A particular operator looked at changing because they listened to their inbound operators and this product operation changed menu item within mm. on the trip that they're doing because they listened to the market feedback saying, actually, we would we there was nothing there we really liked or we're actually vegan or whatever whatever and that can make a massive difference to who then ends up within your tour itself so that feedback's really important and listening yeah the communication and, and changing and reviewing all the time what you're offering and I also think it, it's important to be very really adaptable as well and, and flexible mm. because you need to be in in the current environment that's for sure mm. yeah definitely Right. Well, I think we've given a pretty good list of things there. Is there anything else that you guys want to add before we close out for the episode? The one last tip I had on mine and um, it hasn't been covered off. Have your rates ready. Oh, in yes. It's really hard to do. We get it. We don't know what fuel prices are going to do. We don't know how wage prices are going to increase two to three years out. But have a really good guess at it and be ready with those rates in time. They don't want them in October. They want them around April times when they're starting to communicate with their customers. They need those rates set in place and two to three years out. Yeah, great tip, Chambers. And even if you're setting rates three years out, the what I always found is that you can always honour those because what you should be doing is looking at having a mix of markets across your business, right? So you don't necessarily want, and as we've found in the last two years, you don't want to be 100% international. Yes. <laughs> so, and hopefully none of us will be anymore. But I think you also don't want to be 100% of an individual market and put all of your eggs into Australia, for example, because you never know what's going to happen. We've seen issues with China over the years and we've seen some um, upsets in America and those kind of things so it's you can set those prices and virtually honor those because what you do with your retail rate at a later date for the direct business that you get which is probably still going to be a fair chunk of your Mm -hmm. overall total will make up for a couple of dollars that you might be out in your wholesale rates because you set them two or three years ago and then if you set them a little bit higher than what you think they might be well you can always go back to the wholesaler and say look we can do it a little bit cheaper now I, I wouldn't recommend trying to increase the price there's discussions you can have but you can always go back and say hey look we've managed to keep the price a little bit lower and we're happy to honor that for you guys and if they pocket that because they've already brochured it 
well, so be it. That's that's fine, right? So Yeah, it's a good point, Michelle. And I also think that if you're setting rates and pricing, you need to be, any increases need to be minimal, you know, and I always yeah. work on the basis of 3 to 5% is kind of realistic and acceptable. So I don't think that you need to to get too greedy or businesses don't need to be too greedy. There's, it's just silly because you're going to miss out on all of that business and miss out on that. But yeah, just gradual increases as the need arises and or if any increase. Yeah, because there's always an upsell opportunity as well. Yeah, so you might absolutely. be doing a really good deal on your Milford sound boats, for example. But when they get there, they can upgrade to photos or they can upgrade to whatever it is. There's a whole, whole lot of different things that they can do. They can buy drinks on board. And so you can still yield up on those visitors mm-hmm. for when they're at your business. To what Yeah, there's all sorts of yielding opportunities, yeah. obviously, you know, with other products. Um, or services that you have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cross-sell them onto another cross, experience the following day at a direct rate. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, look, guys, that was really great. Thank you so much for um, coming in on our Ask Destinate episode. And thanks, Kerry, your podcast yeah. debut has gone very well. So <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Chambers. <laughs> and um, listeners, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this, leave us a five-star review or uh, you can buy us a coffee. Don't forget, buyusacoffee.com and um, jump on the episode notes and you can see how to find us and get in touch. If you've got a question that you want us to answer, Also drop us a line, destinatenz.com. Otherwise, we will be back next Wednesday, 7 o'clock in the morning, same channel that you're on now, and we look forward to talking to you then. Ka kite. Ka kite. Ka kite.